All right, it's Plank Show on the road to Lubbock today right here on the Ref Sports Radio Network. Thanks for hanging with us with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. Going to hit the phones here in a second. I've got Andy Staples coming up in uh, segment number two here, a little bit after 10.15. I promised some Sooner softball talk here, and let me go ahead and deliver it with this. Texas Tech is a very hard team to figure out, and I know that the – the natural reaction is, well, it's it's a team that Oklahoma has constantly had success against that they've uh, – and, in fact, they haven't lost to them in a, in a minute. They've had an incredible run of success. But this is a – this to me is a very similar Texas Tech team to the one that they had – gosh, I'm trying to – they weren't very good last year. But in – so that would be 2021. 2020 we got well, – so 2019, I thought Tech was a really, really good team. And they went down to the Mary Nutter Classic and played really well. And, in fact, they won a couple of games. Well, this year they did the same thing. They went 0 for 5. Actually, I think they ended up playing six games. They went 0 for 6 at the St. Pete Clearwater Invitational. Uh, they got run – well, they, they lost 8-zip to Clemson. They got beat in extra innings by UCF. Washington and LSU shut them out, but they were tight games. They lost to Washington 1-zip, and then they lost to LSU 2-zip. But th- then they went to the Mary Nutter and played really well. They beat a top-10 team in Northwestern. They played UCLA tight, lost to them 2-1. to one. Um, they, they played Missouri tight, lost to them – two to one it's it's one of those teams that is they're they're kind of they're kind of sneaky good and they've got a really good pitcher at least a pitcher that I like a lot and Kendall Fritz who has uh, had a nice season even though even though Kansas chased her after two-thirds of an inning last weekend but Kendall Fritz is really good Olivia Reigns the Oklahoma transfer has found uh, a little bit of a groove. They don't have much of an offense. I I think the most runs they've scored this season is uh, I was trying to I was trying to look at it bef- during the commercial break to make sure that I wouldn't be looking at it while I was driving. <laughs> but here we are. But I want to say the most runs that they've scored this season is you know right around against a good team three. They put seven on the board against Long Beach State. Uh, they they nearly lost. Uh, okay, they put 13 on the board against Southern, but they lost to North Texas 11-3. to So they've been kind of a hard team to figure out this year. But the Sooners are better. I think the Friday night games in these Big 12 series are going to be interesting because of all the prep and all the scout that's gone into it and, you know, seeing their aces and having to adjust to them, I think – you know, it kind of the inverse of what happened against Baylor you'll see over the next few weeks. I think the Friday night game might be a little bit tighter than the Saturday and Sunday games. But for Sooner softball fans, this is a weekend where you expect to go in and win three games. Uh, this is a Texas Tech team that's coming off a, a sweep to Oklahoma State in Stillwater where they scored a total of three runs in three games and gave up 32 runs. They won two of three against Kansas, but got beat ten to four. So it's it's a very perplexing team. I don't I don't know how else to put it. Uh, it's kind of like kind of like Baylor. 
Like, you look at Baylor's schedule and you're like, oh, okay, they played well. Oh, they lost to Texas A&M Corpus Christi. And, ooh, they got beat here. Texas Tech is very similar to it. We'll ask Coach Gasso about it tomorrow during the pregame show. Sooners have had success. Uh, it, it looks like there's going to be a lot of wind. We're heading to Lubbock, so there's always a lot of wind. And it looks like based on that field configuration, the wind is going to be blowing out. So I would expect a lot of home runs this weekend for Oklahoma. Start times, 5 o'clock today, 2 o'clock tomorrow, and then high noon for getaway, uh, getaway on Sunday. And then, you know, not to get the cart before the horse, then we're off to Austin for arguably the most anticipated series of 2022 against against Texas in Austin, at least road series for that matter. Josh, on the uh, baseball side of things, Bedlam tonight, you feeling pretty good? Um, well, I mean, listen, Oklahoma State's a really good team, but the Sooners beat them earlier this year. You go to O'Brate Stadium, you know that place is going to be packed. There's always a lot of energy. Feeling good about the Sooners' baseball chances tonight? Feel good about it, yeah. Obviously, that was a nice midweek win last week, and now, now you got a big Bedlam series. Oklahoma played well versus Texas. Probably should have taken two out of three. Didn't obviously play out that way, but I like the starts that Oklahoma got last weekend from both Sandlin and Chaz Martinez, and now you're hoping that Jake Bennett can deliver a similar nice start tonight versus Oklahoma State's Justin Campbell. Agreed. Fun weekend for OU baseball. All right, let's get to the phones. 405-329-9000. Andy Staples coming up after the break. But True Sooner kicks it off this hour. What's going on, True? How are you, man? Hey, man, doing good. The, the Steve Martin CDs are still really good, so I bet you Adam Sandler is still good. Those too. are so old. Those are records, True. Those aren't even <laughs> CDs. Those are records. Yeah. Well, that's true. That's true. I used to listen to Wild and Crazy Guy under the covers. Hey, um, so the mic'd up deal with Votto – it was super cool. I mean, I'm a Reds guy anyway, but I mean, I think this is about ten years behind. Um, right. But I think there's, I think there's so many characters out there that we don't know about, like Votto. I mean, he was super good with the with being mic'd up, and I just think that baseball needs to, sh- sh- you know, they need to show showcase some of their guys. And I think well, this is a cool way to to do it. I think you just hit it on the head. True. I think you hit it on the head. Baseball is kind of struggling from its stars, not really yep. transcending the sport, right? And yep. so with a guy like like Joey Votto who has a well from what we were able to tell last night a pretty incredible personality, it's exciting to see these guys have a light shined on them, right? It's exciting to yep. hear what they have to say. So, yeah, I was with I I, I won't lie. I lie, I was a little shook at first. It took me a moment to embrace what was going on, but uh, once I was able to, because I was doing a show during, I went back and I listened to it, and I was like, this is awesome. So I do yeah. hope we see much, much more of it. I thought it was really cool. Well, the first time I ever saw that happen when I was a kid, I, I remember it was a Florida State OU Orange Bowl, and Bobby Bowden was mic'd up. And uh, it was the first, 1980, it was the first time I ever saw that. And I've, I've loved that stuff. It's just, it, it almost feels like you have, it just feels a connection. It feels like it's a connection with the fans and the players that you don't get otherwise, you know, because they're so – I mean, can you imagine the NBA guys being mic'd up? I mean, you know. No. Uh, it'd be awesome. I mean, <laughs> but, hey, I got a quick question for you. When does when is the stadium, the new stadium, going to be ready to left field, and how far do you think uh, Patty is going to coach into that? Oh, good question. Thanks, Drew. I appreciate your phone call. I see, man. Do I have – 
Thanks, buddy. Well, I'm flying. I just pass into Texas. <laughs> What's going on, Red River? I just Red River. I just crossed over into Texas. Here we go. Um, okay. There, there's a lot to unpack there on two fairly simple questions. Number one, the stadium. My understanding is that ground will be broke. Can I say broken or broke? We had this conversation yesterday, right? Ground will be broke as soon as the season ends, and it'll start construction this summer. So I think if if you drive by right now, what is that on the corner of Constitution and why can't I have Jenkins? So if here in Norman, which is right right there, maybe it's even Imhoff that it goes up to, but it, right on that corner, I think you can even see they're starting to kind of mark out a few areas. Beyond just the, hey, here's where it's going to be. I think you're starting to see a few things done on that front, so that's good. My understanding is next year, 2022 – wait, we're in 2022. My understanding is that next year would be essentially the last year that they would play in Marita Hines Field. That's my understanding. And so then you would be there uh, for the start of the 2024 season. If not, maybe even there had been, I don't know, Toby Baldwin, I know he listens a lot. Maybe he can correct me. I had heard some people that had been fairly, and I don't know if they knew what they were talking about, but it seemed to sell me that they did, that were even optimistic that you know maybe once they get started this summer, if things progress rapidly, that there could be a later series in 23 that gets played there. But my thought is they want to have the full grand opening and they want it to be a big deal so my that that's what I've been told that that's been my understanding and I don't think there's been any changes on it now as for the future of coach Casso and how long she wants to do this I, I think I can confidently tell you that coach Casso is very She's very comfortable with what what this team looks like right now. Now, that doesn't mean and let me let me be real clear. That doesn't mean that she feels like they're where they need to be at 33 and 0 or that they're playing their best ball. No, no, I just think she's comfortable with where the program is. And with with the recruiting that continues to be top notch and I don't get too caught up in softball recruiting but when when I see a, a a talent, a top talent, they're usually going to Oklahoma, and she's confident with what this facility is going to be. I also think with seeing Coach Cole retire and with seeing Lon Kruger retire, and honestly, kind of kind of where coaching is going and and how challenging it is to do what you want to do. I think, and again, this is my opinion. I think you've seen Coach Gasso think a little bit more about the after softball life, right, to where she sees Sherry Cole and how it appears as if she's having a blast and how Lon Kruger has got all this time with his grandkids. And let's not forget, you're adding two more grandbabies to the mix, and they're all very young. You got uh, DJ and his wife Grace are about to have their first baby, JT and Andrea are going to have their third. It's going to give you four grandbabies that you can spend all this time that you want with while they're still very young. 
and I think that resonates quite a bit with Coach, too. So my thought is, this is my opinion, that Coach Gasso is going to coach through the first season or two at the new stadium, and then I think she'll move on. I think she'll retire and enjoy time with the grandbabies, road trips with Poppy, and just enjoying life. But I don't think it's something that will happen out of nowhere. I don't think it'll be like Coach Kruger. I don't think there's going to be a traditional, like a Coach K farewell tour. No, no, no. Coach Gasso does. I can tell you confidently, Josh Helmer, Coach Gasso does not want that. But I, I do think that there will be a a plan. If that plan is public, um, I don't know. But I think there will be a succession plan in place to where Coach Gasso says, hey, I think this is going to be my last year. And it's kept under wraps. And the process begins for, you know, if it's a, a simple elevation of an assistant that's on staff, if it's a search across the country where you talk to uh, a lot of the great young and, and maybe established coaches. I mean, think about when Patty Gasso does retire. How great of a job is this, Josh? Brand new stadium, you know, by who knows how many national titles you have. you got five now. With this roster and with Jordy Ball, you could very well win three of the next four with the roster that they have and the players coming in. So this is going to be a job that everybody wants whenever she retires. But that's kind of how I see it. I think I think she'll decide in a couple of years, all right, I'm, I'm done with this. Let's Let's go love life even more. But she's such a competitor, dude. Josh, she is such a competitor. I I just I'll tell you one thing. I don't I think when Patty goes, I think I'll go, honestly. Because it's just she makes everything so fun. She makes everything so just perfect. And and it's not just the the execution she expects from her players, but from every aspect of the program. And it motivates you to be the best you can be. And it's gonna be a it's going to be a big loss when she does decide to retire, but I also think it's going to be a celebration because they'll make sure that the program is left in good hands. But it's a, it's a, it's a fair question to ask, right? You start thinking about a coach that's been here for 28 years, that's done it for 32 total, has an incredible young family, has, I'm sure, planned well for retirement. So, you know, maybe she can even become someone, Josh, that gets involved in the game in a way that continues to take it to another level from, um, I don't want to say necessarily an administrative perspective, but, you know, kind of like a president of, you know, we joked about a president of college football, but someone who can come at it from the perspective of a person who's coached and who has fought and, and scratched and clawed for every dollar and dime that comes into that program. I think that she could still make a great impact on the sport and will even after retirement. But I think it's fair to start thinking about what the future looks like for OU softball. Absolutely. Coach deserves to have a retirement that she can enjoy and know that the program is in a good place going forward. Absolutely she does. She she definitely deserves that. And yet I wonder, you know, the new stadium, could that be, you know, reinvigorating once you get into that thing? Yeah, and then all of a point. sudden you, you keep coaching a little bit longer than maybe – you initially planned, but just what you were talking about off the top, 
there's no substitute for time with love with loved ones. There's just not. No. And no. I certainly would understand the attraction there for a coach to want to get to spend a lot of that time with her her grand her grandkids. Sure. Yeah. I mean, listen, man, I'm I'm sitting here on this road trip right now and I'm so blessed to get to do what I'm doing, but every so often I think about the fact that you know, t- tonight I'm I'm missing my I'm, miss, I'm missing my daughter going into the National Junior Honor Society, and it's a big deal, right? And I think about how, as a coach, their time that they've committed to it is so much more than what you know we we do. It's whenever people got mad whenever I brought up the whole Disneyland dad mentality, right? It's it it I, it, it fits for what I get to do, but even for me in a, a very small role with softball calling their games, it's like there's there's sacrifices that you have to make. Like my uh, my eight-year-old has her first soccer game of the year, and you miss these things. Well, guess what? There's no way to make that back up. But, man, if you can invest that in your grandkids and you have that time, it's just – you're right. There's no substitute for it. So there, there was somebody who – we've gone way longer on this than I expected, and, and Andy Staples is coming up next. But, Josh, some people look at it and say, well, maybe she looks at the stadium as a chance to say, all right, you know, like Bob Stoops did with Baker, like Bob Stoops did with 2017. Here you go. Here's everything you could possibly need for this program to be um, set up for success for the future, right? And it is – it is not a direction I expect, right? I don't expect her to say, stadium's here, peace out, I'm off to go sit on a beach in Italy or something for a while and then spend every second I can with my grandkids. It's just I think she's going to want to coach in that new stadium, and I think Josh hit on something interesting. I think it could be very, very invigorating uh, for her. If we can – and, you know, who knows? Maybe this freshman class suddenly becomes, uh, you know, like 2016. And with Jordy Ball leading the way they easily could, and the next thing you know, you're looking at it, and it's 24, and you're bringing in another group, and you just you, you, you can't get away from it. I think there's a lot of – it's a great question, True, and I know I've talked about it for, you know, the, the six minutes since you asked it, but I, I think it's, um, it's a fascinating conversation when you're talking about and wondering about the future of, of, of OU softball because the future is bright. But then you also can't help but wonder, so how much longer is Coach going to want to do this? <laughs> because she's the GOAT, man. It's, it's going to be a massive, massive hole in this athletic program when she decides to step away. All right, quick break. When we come back, listen, I went long there. I Sorry, not sorry. When we come back, let's, let's go ahead and get caught up, then Andy can join us after the bottom of the hour because it's a taped interview from yesterday. You'll have – Plenty of time to hear what Andy Staples had to say. And I should add that we've got a master scoreboard update coming up when we get back. Josh will be all over it next. And as always, our Air Comfort Solutions, or excuse me, our our master's updates are brought to you by Blue Collar Damage, uh, Drainage Solutions. We're on the road to Lubbock. We're going to hear from Andy Staples coming up right after the bottom here on the ref. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show. We're on the road to Lubbock for Sooner Softball tonight. I can say, Josh, we have safely made it to Wichita Falls. It's not too shabby, right? I'd say we're making pretty good time. Pretty nice. Pretty good time. 
My goal was to get there where I could go by the shower, kind of clean up a little bit before the game, and I think we're good. I think we're doing good. 5 o'clock first pitch, I'll be on the air at 4.45 with a pregame show. Uh, let's hit real quick a Masters update. Anything kind of catch your eye in the early rounds? I haven't been able to obviously follow it on the road, but anything really kind of moving up and down the leaderboard here early on, or any one I should say? Masters uh, update, of course, always brought to us by our friends over at Blue Collars Drain. Uh, Dustin Johnson is playing well. Hole number five, he's four under par, just one shot off the lead. Remember, in that COVID year where there wasn't the gallery that Dustin Johnson won this thing going away, set a Masters record uh, in that Masters, the November Masters. That's right, November Masters, and he is playing well so far. There's a thought on the course that it's going to be easier for the morning wave than it is the afternoon wave. So something oh, to keep an eye on if a couple of these morning wave guys can can go low. That could be a big time advantage going into the weekend. Hmm. Tiger tees off um, about one forty. This afternoon, so Steely will not get an opportunity, right? Twelve. Oh, yeah, he will. He'll get a chance to watch Tiger off the tee, which is my everything. Meanwhile, we talked a little college football. We talked a little OU earlier today. The countdown to the spring game continues as OU gets set for, I mean, you and I, I think we talked about this a little bit with Joey yesterday, but... I I get the sense that there is a lot of us. Now, I heard, again, I brought up the, the conversation that uh, Bob had had on, that, on the Unofficial 40 podcast and talking about Wanya Morris and how he brought up that the soul mission has been a big-time difference maker for him and and how basically more than anything else, he wished it was something that was in place last year. But Kerry said something that kind of stayed with me, and not in a bad way. I mean, that's my guy. But he said he – and they, they have a large community of Sooner fans over at Sooner Scoop, but that maybe he hasn't heard some of the buzz that he expected for, for the spring game. In other words, you know, we're all kind of fired up saying as, as large of a crowd as possible as we've ever seen for the spring game. But I don't know. Murdoch kind of threw a little water on that. What's your sense, Josh? You feel like we're going to be breaking records? I think it's going to be one of the better attended spring games in a long time. I do, too. I haven't heard anything to the contrary. I I don't know why it wouldn't be. Now, do I expect it to be a crowd of 80,000 Sooner fans? No. I'm not unrealistic about that. But I think they're going to get upwards of 45 into potentially 50. Me, too. Me, too. And I get it. You should with a new head coach and a new mindset. And I hope, I hope, Josh, that we see a little bit more that maybe we typically did over the last few years. I don't expect it. I'm not ready to, like, lose my mind and say, we're going to see the full offense and defense. We're still a long way, obviously, from that. But I don't know. I just I kind of heard that, and it, and it brought me down just a notch. But I feel like on, on this show – and on our Air Comfort Solutions text line and on the calls we take and, and the guests we bring on, 
I feel like there's a lot of excitement, you know, kind of building and generating towards a, a big-time crowd. I, I, and maybe it's just not hearing people say, oh, yeah, I'm going to be out there, we're going to do this. I mean, I listen, I follow probably way too many people on Twitter, but I, I see all of y'all that were fighting over where you were on a bracket. I see you guys getting together and saying, hey, we're going to meet at the Bob Stoop statue. We're going to do this. So, I don't know. Maybe it's something that's still a few weeks out and that grows a bit, but I, I, I've heard a lot of great buzz. I sense a good energy leading up to April 23rd. Yeah, I guess that there's just the thought from Kerry that maybe, not that it's going to be a bad crowd, but that it's not going to be anything particularly different. Maybe you hear, maybe part of that is that whenever you hear, let's have a great crowd, some people's automatic reaction is 80,000, 80,000. And and that's probably just not reality whenever it comes to a spring game. Maybe maybe it proved me wrong. That might have been where he's coming from. But there you just a couple of quick tidbits to hit at 1032 here on the Plank Show. When we come back, Andy Staples will join us. We'll get his perspective on the turnover in the Big 12 and what it could mean for Oklahoma. Maybe the chance, maybe the chance of an earlier exit for OU and Texas. We'll dive into it next right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show. We're on the road to Lubbock. I had a chance to talk to Andy Staples for the show today. Gabe Iker joined me. And we started with something from the Andy Staples show that caught my ear. And that was Bob Bowlesby's continuous, uh, continued insistence that, hey, don't get caught up in automatic qualifiers for conferences. Everyone, oh, the, the Power Five needs automatic spots in a 12-team playoff. But Bob Bowlesby has always said no. And Andy Staples said it's a lawsuit waiting to happen. Yeah, he basically said, look, it's, it's like daring them to get hauled before Congress. And... I hadn't thought about it that way. I was just thinking of it, you know, in terms of how could that help the Big 12. And, you know, if you designate that these five champions get in that, and the Big 12 is one of those, that obviously makes the Big 12 a little more special and keeps a designation that it doesn't really exist. Like the Power Five is a fictional construct we came up with. It's not fictional, but it's a construct we came up with to kind of put things in order after the BCS dissolved because there were six BCS automatic qualifying conferences. And if you really do it in terms of who has the juice going forward, it's really a power two with the Big Ten and the SEC. So if the other three leagues that are that we currently view as the Power Five can somehow get a special designation in the playoffs, then yeah, that would, that would be special. But I, I thought what Bob said made a lot of sense because he's right. You know, you you don't invite that if you just say six highest ranked conference champs get in. And Bob's assertion was that the Big 12 would always be in under under that scenario, and you know history says it would. I was that was a really cool aha moment that I know I I, I think you wrote about it a while, but in just hearing it, you're like, man, that that makes a lot of sense. So, with that in mind, how exhausting, tedious do you think? It was for Bob Bowlesby, given all of those committees that he was on from the four-team playoff yeah. expansion to every – I mean, he was on the NIL committee. I mean, that's got to be exhausting, Andy, with, with all of the intricacies of it. I think the NIL one might, might have even been worse. It's frustrating as the playoff thing was where, you know, the, the four guys come up with the, the plan and it, it feels like it's giving everybody something they need and all of a sudden you've got leagues that are – acting against their own best interests and blocking it for reasons that they can't adequately explain, uh, that would be frustrating. But the NIL thing would be even more frustrating because 
really, they, they put those folks in. It was, uh, it was Bob Bowlesby. It was Gene Smith, the AD at Ohio State. Val Ackerman, the commissioner of the Big East. There are quite a few people who are big, big deals in, in college sports who have very valuable time. And they just wasted it. Just wait. every meeting they had, every second they spent on it was completely wasted because the schools never could get off their butts and come up with something regarding NIL. And they let the state decide it for them, and now they're, they're paying for it. Andy, looking at the issues that whoever the new Big 12 commissioner is is going to face, what do you, what do you think is the most important issue on the horizon for whoever they hire? It's the TV deal. It, it has to be. They, they've got to whoever, – whoever they hire has got to figure out a way to make the remaining eight schools whole – after the loss of Oklahoma and Texas, and then give the new four that bonus that they that they think they're getting by they they think jumping up a league, and you're only jumping up a league if the league is where you know higher than the league you're in, and the TV deal is going to decide that. And so the question is, can you leverage the competition in the marketplace to a point where you can get the money back to what it would have been if Texas and Oklahoma were there? Or, or what it was when Texas and Oklahoma were there. And I, it's possible. It is possible because there's going to be quite a bit of competition and quite a bit more competition than there was the last time the Big 12 put its, its rights to market. But the, the question now, and it's not necessarily who they hire, who decides this, it's what the Big 10 does that will kind of dictate terms for what the Big 12 and the Pac-12 do. Because the Big 10 has every option that can be available. I, we, we don't know if Amazon or Apple or any of the really big, big ones are going to come into this. We've seen them go into pro sports. We don't know if they're going to come into college sports. If they did, I would assume it would be to try to get the Big Ten. But we do know Fox, ESPN, NBC, and CBS are going after the Big Ten. We, we think Turner slash Discovery Plus might also be in on that. And at most, two are going to get that. Maybe even one, because like, it would not shock me if Rupert Murdoch came up with a, a mega deal and said, hey, Big Ten, just put everything on Fox. And if that happened, NBC and CBS are like, no, 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 we want more college football. Uh, we're going to have to go get that from the Pac-12 or the Big 12. And, and maybe they're competing against one another for those leagues, and, and that's helpful. That, that helps both of those leagues make some more money. Uh, but the Big Ten may say, you know what? We like the deal we have with Fox and ESPN which that, that was said NBC and CBS, but maybe they say Fox and NBC. And all of a sudden, CBS, like, okay, which do we like better? Do we want to put a, a Pac-12 game on at 3.30 Eastern time on Saturday, or do we want to want that to be a Big 12 game? And, and, and really, that's where I think the, the new commissioner can differentiate themselves, is convince those folks that even though the Pac-12 is doing its deal a year earlier, you want to wait and get the Big 12. That, that that is going to give you a better TV product. And it, it's going to be an interesting one because the Pac-12 has a few bigger brands. You know, USC, Oregon, Washington, UCLA is a big brand, even though they haven't been successful in football. But I'm convinced that the new Big 12 is going to be the most fun football league to watch because it's going to be really good teams that are competitive. They're all kind of competitive with each other except probably Kansas, sorry, Kansas. But everybody else 
there will be a lot of years where you're going to feel like they all have a chance to win. And I think that's going to make for a really good television product. And it, the, the person who's hired as the commissioner, and I, I, I threw my hat in the ring, I will do it for half the price of all the other people. Uh, that person has to convince the TV networks how fun that's going to be. Is the, I, I get Mac Rhodes said the other day, right, Andy, there's only like five or six of these jobs. So it's a big-time job. But is, say, the commissioner of a power conference, and again, I understand the antiquated nature of saying power five, but is being the commissioner of, of a major conference, is that maybe more enticing than even an athletic director at some high-profile schools? Because someone immediately brought up uh, Greg Byrne. I'm like, no, there's no way. But I, I don't know in the pantheon of jobs if this would be considered elite, if you will. Well, it, it would probably pay more than that job. Like a, a good AD job, really elite AD job, you're talking about $1.5 million a year probably. And a Power 5 commissioner job, you're talking 2 to $3 million a year probably. Mm. So it's, it's, a, it's a higher paying job, but there's also a lot more to worry about. And there's also a lot more landmines. You know, if you're like Greg Byrne, as long as Nick Saban's coaching in Alabama, Greg Byrne has a fairly, you know, not cushy's not the word. There's always been something you got to deal with. But he doesn't have a, a huge thing he has to deal with every day. The commissioner of a league has to deal with something, you know, it's sort of like the end of Men in Black when, when Agent K says to Agent J, there's, you know, there's always a Dilutian star cruiser with its guns aimed at Earth. Like, it, it's always like that for the, for the commissioner of a Power 5 league. So you have to decide if, if the raise is worth that. Because, you know, if you've got a pretty stable football and basketball situation, then your AD job is a pretty good job. Agreed. So, in your opinion, Andy, I know you've got the plan, you've got the million-dollar idea, but do you look that at this as a good job right now? I look at it as a challenging job. I look at it as sort of a – it's not one issue because there's, there's several issues you have to deal with. Like, you have – if you can get as much money out of Texas and Oklahoma as possible, that's a, that's a W off the bat, whether that's just keeping them there until 2025 or finding a way to extract more money out of them to let them leave a little bit early, which I think is, is probably the smarter move because more money is better than less money. And especially when less money just means you're acting out of spite. More money is good. So I think you, you can, there are some wins that you can have along the way, but the real win will be if you do a TV deal that the schools are happy with, that they feel like they are making the amount of money they need to be making from the conference that's that's the thing. You do a bad job with that, you're getting fired. You do a great job with that, you're set for a long time. Andy, how wild is it the completely and totally opposite opinions you can get on his job performance with Bob Bowlesby at the Big 12? You hear smart people talk, and they're like, he did an incredible job. You hear fans, like, oh, he's terrible, get him out of there. I mean, I, I know that's kind of like the role of a commissioner, but it's just, it's so, the swings are just so wild in the opinions. Where do you fall? Fans usually dislike the commissioner. I, with Bowlesby, I, listen, the early part of his tenure, he's dealing with a lot of egos. He's dealing with trying to calm people down who were hysterical after that first round of realignment. He's trying to deal with you know, David Bourne at Oklahoma saying that the league is psychologically disadvantaged after they missed the playoff the first year, where they completely overreacted, did this, you know, paid for this cockamamie study that said they needed to expand when they didn't. 
And they had that dog and pony show with all the group of five teams parading before them saying, here, pick us, pick us. Like, that was a dumb, dumb move. But I don't blame Bob Bowlesby for that. I blame David Bourne for that. I, do I blame Bob Bowlesby for them losing Texas and Oklahoma? Not entirely. Do I blame him for not knowing that Texas and Oklahoma were leaving? Yes. He should have known. That's part of the job. What, you got one more, Gabe? I had one more for me, but go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm just sitting here hogging the Andy Staples interview all day long. I apologize. No, I, I, I'm i just curious. You know, I, I know that Andy put his piece out, you know, kind of laying out his resume for for the Big 12 commissioner position. And Andy, I, I would fully endorse your candidacy. How I, I difficult. I appreciate it, Gabe. You, you can interview me on the SEC channel. when. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, I, I will. Thanks, man. When I'm the commissioner. <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm curious, like how, how difficult do you think the transition is going to be for whoever the new big 12 commissioner is, you know, with OU in Texas going out and the, the four new members coming in, like how challenging of a situation do you think that is going to be for whoever takes over as the head of this conference? I think they, they need to try to make it less challenging as they go. Like one of the things I wrote in my column when I applied for the job is I got to find a way to get rid of divisions completely, which means getting the NCAA rule changed so that there's not, that's not an issue that they need to be arguing about. They just don't need to be worried about that. They already have a really nice deal where number one plays number two in the conference title game. Every other league is going to go to that eventually. So the NCAA rule is going to have to be changed anyway by the other league. So the first thing I would do is go to Greg Sankey and go to Jim Phillips and, and, and go to Kevin Warren and say, listen, you, get, you guys are going to get this rule changed anyway. Let's help me out. Let's change it now so that I don't have to have cockamamie divisions while Texas and Oklahoma are still here and we're trying to add four new schools. Like, that's a waste of everyone's time because ultimately you're probably not going to have divisions and you don't need them. So that's the sort of thing, if you can take that off your plate quickly, you do that. Uh, that that's another reason why I said Try to find a way to extract some money out of Texas and Oklahoma instead of just having this awkward period. Like, I, I know it's, it hurts to see them leave, but if you can make one penny more than you would have made with them staying through 2025, let them go. Let you go on this. You and Max Olson again cover this on your podcast. Fans need to go download it today. Any Staples and friends. This might not necessarily mean a quicker exit for OU or Texas because even with the new commissioner, that grant of rights doesn't change, does it? Is is this movement nope. got OU or Texas feeling some sort of way about getting out of the Big Twelve quicker or no? I don't I don't think it does until you know who the commissioner is and, and how what their stance is gonna be. And and really the commissioner may not have a, a, a choice on this matter. If the presidents of the Big Twelve say, Listen, I don't care if they're offering us more money to leave early. We're keeping them for as long as, as they have to be here. Then we're keeping them. I just don't think that's the smartest move because the, from everybody I've talked to, that grant of rights is is solid. Like that's it's not something they can work their way around. So, but here's the thing: from the people I've talked to in Oklahoma and Texas, they're fine to just wait. Okay, so the solution isn't get $180 million, whatever the, the total penalty would be if they tried to leave in 2023 or 2024. That's not a solution. They won't do that. They'll just stay. But if there's a solution that lets them leave a year early 
and gets everybody, you know, five million bucks more a year than they would have gotten. So there's Andy Staples. Good conversation we had with Andy from Big 12 Radio that they were kind enough to allow us to share with you today. And that latter part, I think, is kind of where most of our concerns here in the Norman OKC area, Tulsa diehard Sooner fans, what does it mean for the future of Oklahoma in the Big 12? Does it mean a quicker exit? to the SEC? Does it mean a cheaper exit to the SEC? And I think it all depends on whom they hire and who that person is. Hey, when we come back, oh, we got drama in scheduling. Thinking about the college football season. We'll bring it to you next right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show. We're on the road to Lubbock today with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank as we get set for OU softball tonight, 5 p.m. with the first pitch, 445 with the pregame show on the Sooner Radio Network. All right, we got like four minutes left in this hour, but I, I had mentioned, I had mentioned the drama that's already starting to percolate, involving when games will kick off. And I, I, I feel like a lot of people expect Oklahoma to get dinged with 11 a.m. kicks like they always do. But how about this? Awful Announcing had this story this morning, and it's something that I hadn't thought about too terribly much. This year, every year, Fox and ESPN rotate years in which they get the first pick of games in a season because of their deals with um, the Big 12 and uh, the Pac-12, right? And traditionally... The first pick has always been OU Texas. Fox and ESPN rotated, and in years they get first pick. This year, Fox has first pick, which means, Josh, there is a definitive possibility that OU and Texas won't be the number one pick this year. Now, keep in mind, Texas LSU was the first pick in 2019, and if I'm not mistaken, ESPN put that game in primetime. The buzz is building that the Texas-Alabama game will be an 11 a.m. kick this year because Fox will choose that as its first pick for a game it wants to carry. Then ESPN-ABC will get OU-Texas, and they'll put Texas-Alabama at 11 a.m. I love it. Gosh, it's it's beautiful, isn't it? It's just absolutely (laughs) beautiful. Nobody deserves it more than the Crimson Tide fans. (laughs) <laughs> so prepare yourself for Texas fans to lose their absolute minds and Crimson Tide fans to probably freak out as well. All right, two hours in the book. Sal Palantonio coming up next right here on The Ref.